Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. And this is Cindy Meyer, your host of the Weekly Spirit Seeker uh, Hour, where we bring you amazing uh, different people who are doing uh, wonderful work in the area of mind, body, and spirit. So we interview authors, we interview people who do different healing modalities, we interview musicians, any approach to making the world a better place and using um, multiple approaches in order to do that. We've been uh, published for 20 years. We're celebrating our anniversary coming up in July, and we're um, really happy to uh, bring you this magazine each and every month. You can read it at www.spiritseeker.com. You can also find us with a booth at the Body, Mind, Spirit Expo in Tinley Park, Chicago, on June 3rd and 4th. and then we will we will have a booth. Uh, I will not be there personally, but we will have a booth at the June 9th through 11th uh, Transformation Conference in uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and that's the 12th annual Ozark uh, Mountain. It's Ozark Mountain Publishing who brings that together, and it's all of their different authors, and it's always interesting. Okay, uh, the last announcement is. Uh, If you would like to hear about the radio show and know when the magazine is online and know about other fabulous, uh, wonderful Mind, Body, Spirit events throughout the U.S. and into Canada, then uh, please send us an email to info at spiritseeker.com asking to be added to our email list, and we will uh, let you know about these wonderful things. We also do periodic drawings for uh, free tickets, free books, free CDs, etc. Okay, that is it. uh, we are now going to, um, I'm going to bring my guest on, and he is a fabulous, fascinating person. He's uh, reinvented himself many times in this lifetime. Uh, his name is Carl Greer. He is a Ph.D. Uh, and has a doctorate in um, psychology. He is a practicing clinical psychologist, a Jungian analyst, and shamanic practitioner. He teaches at the C.G. Uh, Young Institute of Chicago and is on staff at the Replogal Center for Counseling and Well-Being and is involved in various charities. Uh, you can find a lot of information on his website, carlgreer.com. And today we're going to be hearing about um, his latest best-selling publication, Change the Story of Your Health, Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques uh, for Healing. So, uh, Carl, are you there? I am here. Okay, perfect. And um, th- I love this book. <laughs> you know, I loved your first book. Thank you, Cindy. But this book, uh, this book especially, um, I don't, you know, some of the listeners know, some don't. I started off as a nurse and then uh, branched off into healthcare management and then, I don't know, went into the the business world, shall we say, and um, and then for 20 years I've been publishing Spirit Seeker. But, you know, your book is... Is it? I love how it comes from so many different angles, and so I'm not sure if you want to um, where you want to start, but I would love for you to um, explain how the combination of using your Jungian background and the archetypical archetypal uh, understanding, how that plays into health and well-being, um, and also. Just wherever you want to start, and I'll I'll jump in every once in a while because this is a wonderful story we're about to hear. Well, thank you. Um, a- after I wrote my first book, uh, some people would talk to me about some of the ways in which they would work the ideas in it, and the idea of health kept coming up. So people seemed to be interested in health, and I'm at a stage in my life where. Um, health issues are of a concern as I've gotten older. And so I thought, you know, I'll I'll write a book about health, but the uh, thing that I wanted to really stress in the book is that all of us have more potential for self-healing than we think. And even though we live in an age of all kinds of information about health, you know, what to eat and what supplements to take and, you know, various ways to exercise, uh, 
we often turn our health over to others. And I'm suggesting in my book that uh, there's many things that we can do uh, to do self-healing. And uh, so I have a variety of practices that uh, we can talk about that I suggest that people can do. Uh, And then I have some other practices that people can use when they find they have obstacles to changing the story of their health to uh, maybe get energy and information to make those changes. So that's what prompted me to write the book, and that's what it's about. Well, and I I love how you approach it with your health has a story and you are the storyteller. And, um, you know, I'm just going to read this one paragraph. It's in your foreword. It's at the very front part, but it sets the stage for the for the rest of the, the book. And it says, many people suffer when they define themselves by their illnesses and by traumatic experiences related to their concepts of health and mortality. And this is the part I love. Healing isn't just something that comes from medicine or surgeries. It comes from a shift in the way we perceive ourselves and our connection to our health and our bodies. And then you talk about the mind and the power of the belief and um, and how the emotions and the physical body, how it's all intertwined. So um, yes. on this journey, I mean, you've taken, you've taken some courageous um, steps yourself when you had the kidney problem and, um, and then when you had evolved and learned so much how the next time you dealt with it differently and, I mean, would you? I don't know if you want to start with that story. It's kind of it's a full faith thing, but but you but you you stopped yourself from going to the way you dealt with it before, and you took it from a, a different perspective, and it worked. Yes. Uh, well, to your point about our uh, stories, we tell ourselves we can identify with, and uh, and that and that affects us. Uh, I wanted to just comment on that. Uh, I mean, I think that's very very powerfully true. Uh, if you tell yourself, for example, gee, everybody in my family uh, died of heart disease by the time they were 60, I probably will too, that belief and that statement to yourself can uh, become a self-confirming prophecy. And I talk about how other ways to view that fact about your family can be stated so that you become, uh, at the margin, less likely to have something happen. Uh in terms of my kidney, I had had a uh, blockage in my left kidney artery that was causing me to have uh, high blood pressure, so I had a stent put in. And uh, a couple of years after that, they were doing a uh, scan, and they saw blockage in uh, an artery in my right kidney. So I did some energy work around that, some journey work and some you know, dialoguing practices and so forth, uh, dialoguing and journeying and others that I talk about in my book. And uh, when they did the next scan, prior to me having another stent put in, uh, the blockage didn't seem to be there. And I'm not suggesting 100% that what I did was the reason the blockage uh, uh, resolved. And I'm further not suggesting that the stuff in my book, the practices are designed to replace uh, all your Western medicine doctors. It's just a good complement to that. And... My own experience and that of other people that I know, those of whom I've worked with and those who have done the practices in the book, uh, support the idea that we do have the ability to do self-healing. And uh, what causes what exactly is not really verifiable by double-blind studies, but the results speak for themselves, and the interventions are uh, really no cost. And as long as you're not giving up other conventional treatments, it can be very powerful. So for me, that particular example was powerful, and it, it reinforced the kind of work that I do uh, in the world and with myself. Right, and I um, I love how you beautifully explain that because so many people think it has to be either or. You have to go one way or the other, and you get it in the holistic arena as well. Um, why would you do that? And it really is your own personal journey with um, – with anything that is in your path, so so you know, I, so I do love how you stress that. And listeners, you know, this is the whole deal. It's it's your personal journey, and you know, even though Carl, you know, thought, okay, I did the work and everything, he still had it checked, you know, to make sure that it was indeed clear, and that was, you know, but but we still have to use wisdom with all of this. And um, but but I love how you've given so many tools in this book 
from from journaling to the different querying um, that you talk about, you know, with um, talking about, you know, the I, I, I like this part. I just want my health to get fixed so I can get back, get back to my old life. And it's like they don't want to learn from it. They just want to, like, get back to where they were instead of going forward maybe in a perhaps a new, wholer way. Does that – right? putting that – okay. So perhaps we can talk about, talk about that, like the, um, you know, the payoffs and the part of the story that people get entrenched in sort of. Yeah, I, that's, I think a good starting point is uh, to find out honestly what your health story is. And uh, there's lots of ways you could enter that. I could just say, okay, Carl, okay, Cindy, what, what's the story of your health? And you think about it and write some stuff down. Uh, I have some guidelines as to ways to think about it. Uh, and they happen to go around chapters like, uh, you know, the story of your uh, eating and drinking and weight, the story of your uh, exercise, your balance, your flexibility, your, your strength, your stamina, uh, the story of... Uh, your uh, aging and uh, uh, body image changes and menopause and andropause are the story of the way you're dealing with a chronic condition, uh, uh, cancer, diabetes, uh, or an acute ailment. And I, I give queries that people can ponder about, uh, you know, where did this start? Uh, is it related to other things in your life? Do you have some payoff for doing what you're doing? Uh, what's worked in these areas? What hasn't? Uh, to kind of loosen it up give you a different perspective about it to help you be really honest with yourself. And then I, I say, uh, this is pretty linear ways of thinking about it, which is useful, but can you do a more uh, right brain, uh, more uh, to shake it up to get other pictures? So I suggest, uh, what's the song that captures your health? Or the poem, or if you're going to move in a dance-like move, what, what would capture it? So you just have a different perspective as a result of doing these things as to what your true story is. And then you're left with a decision, would you like it to be different? And you think you can make it different. And for many of us, even though we would like our health story to be different, for multitudes of reasons, we don't change it. And I'm suggesting that some of those reasons are unconscious to us. So some of the practices that I talk about, working in nature, journeying, dialoguing, uh, working with your dreams, are ways to get at some of these unconscious reasons why you're not able to change so that you can become more available to change because you have energy and information you didn't have that help you to change. So that's kind of the gist of, uh, of my message. Uh, but there's a lots of pieces to that and lots of practices that are involved to go from where you are to where you might like to be. Right. right. And, you know, I I'm, I have always been fascinated with a Jungian um, approach to symbols and meaning and, you know, the archetypes and what do your dreams mean. And so, you know, and I, I, I love how you combine that with um, – with all of the other studies that you've done, you've been like, how, how, why don't you share some of the places you've traveled and studied with different shamans and teachers and any, anything you want to share about indigenous healing that you've um, brought into your, into your teachings. And I know well, that's very I, I was, broad. Uh, so what, <laughs> whatever sure. you want to share. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, as a, as a young man, I was interested in the stories about the mountain men and the trappers and the Indians with whom they, uh, interacted and uh, and then that led me to be interested in the medicine men and women <laughs> and so I had interested in uh, shamanism as just a, a kind of a, an exotic adventurous field. I read the Carlos Castaneda books and the Lynn Andrews books and you know books by Michael Harner and other you know shaman oriented people but I never felt that I could uh, really give up my responsibilities in my life and go uh, train. Well, around the year 2000, I found an opportunity to train, and I ended up working with uh, a shaman named Alberto Viotto, and I uh, went through all of his trainings. I taught at his school for uh, a while, and then I went uh, increasingly on my own to uh, uh, South America and worked with uh, shaman friends that I'd met down there, and I've had the opportunity to spend time in other parts of the world meeting and uh, doing things with shamans and uh, Mongolia and Australia and uh, uh, Ethiopia and uh, Canada. 
So I, I've been fortunate to meet and talk with a lot of uh, and work with uh, medicine people. And kind of the common characteristics in the are they they all work with energy. Uh, they all do healing work. Uh, they believe in the power of nature. They work with uh, the past, and they work with the future. And that's very compatible with uh, the way I do things uh, as a shamanic practitioner and also as a Jungian analyst because uh, we, too, try to see ways to have our past live a little differently uh, within us so that in the present we make different decisions than we otherwise would have. But also try to align ourselves with a different future than the course that perhaps we're on different and better from the standpoint of we in spirit so that uh, that new alignment helps influence the decisions we make in the present. And a lot of the shamanic practices around the world and the ones that I talk about in my book, I've done, and I think they work to help us realign our past so it lives within us differently and to hook up with a different uh, future. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, it's interesting. Like you talked about the the energy energy modalities like acupuncture, et cetera. And still in this in this Western world, um, many people, in my experience, think acupuncture is that new thing. You know, like they don't understand that it's been done for thousands of years and working with the energy system in the body. And um, I, I I really appreciated how you brought in. There's so many different ways to to get to the story in the body and um and I I, I I thought maybe we could talk just a little bit about the um chapter four, the expanded awareness practices for gaining insights and energy. Um sure. I thought that was a beautiful beautiful chapter. <laughs> so Thank you. Um, well the kind of the, the idea is that uh, uh from a quantum physics cosmological shaman perspective <clears throat> we're all just energy and we as humans are kind of more concretized energy than just the radio waves for example and uh, as energy we're influenced by vibrations and we have uh, vibrations uh, uh, within ourselves that are uh, involved with chemical reactions and electrical reactions and uh uh, our thoughts have energy and vibrations, uh, as do our beliefs, as do our emotions. And so they're all interacting with uh, with each other. And shamans would say that uh, uh, there was this place before the Big Bang, for example, of pure potential, out of which came our universe and perhaps other universes which are being born all the time. So this place of pure potential surrounds all of us. It's energetic. And uh, the the notion of energy medicine is that uh, energy follows intent and that we can work with this field of pure potential to cause things to happen in this reality that otherwise wouldn't had we not done the work. So how does one interreact and interrelate to those energies? Uh, so I talk about shamanic journeying as one way to do that and to get to those energies uh, it seems we're best able to when we shift our consciousness, you could call it an altered state, or I call it an expanded awareness in my book, where we're less under the sway of our sympathetic nervous system, uh, the frontal part of our brain. We're more under the sway of our parasympathetic nervous system, more the, the back part of our brain. Uh, uh, and when we're in that state, our brain waves slow down, we're no longer in beta, but more alpha and theta, and when that happens, our immune system seems to be uh, boosted, we have less stress hormones, and we seem to be more available to the intuitive sense that we all have, this uh, spiritual connection to the, to the all. And so I talk about first the preparation to get to that place, and I talk about breathing and cleansing your field and doing a uh, 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 opening sacred space, and then once you're in that field, I talk about how you can go to a, a lower world journey. People would typically call that a soul retrieval, and I have a particular tailored uh, journey for for health to find out 
things in your past that are influencing your current health. And then I have an upper world journey, which people sometimes equate with a destiny retrieval, where you go into the future to see about uh, what your future health is going to be. And I talk about journeying to this place before creation, which I call the quiet to get uh, energy and insights into what's going on in your health. And I have a practice that I call dialoguing, which allows us to interact with those symbols and energies and figures that we encounter when we do our journey work. And that can include uh, uh, our symptoms. We can work with our symptoms in this way. We can work with our uh, inner healer, which I believe we all have some propensity within us to uh, want us to be healthier. Uh, and we can learn to work with that energy. So those would be the types of expanded awareness practices that I have, Cindy, in my book and in the ways in which I prepare to actually uh, engage them. Well, and you know, Carl, you've done this work for a while now, and um, would you be willing to share like a case study or something where um, where you have just seen the magic of combining the Jungian work with the shamanism and a person like literally rewriting their story or changing like like understanding their health and and then moving forward in a different way uh, sure and, and, and I want to be careful to not have people some, some of some of these things seem uh, miraculous you know some people uh, uh, have had uh, things happen that you Conventional medicine can't understand why it happened. And uh, that can be explained by, you know, a miracle, something would have happened otherwise. It had nothing to do with the shamanic work the person did, or perhaps the diagnosis was wrong in the first place. Uh, nonetheless, these types of, of practices do seem to uh, work uh, in, in a number of cases. Uh, and is it mind-body, or is it uh, something else, you know, who... Who knows? But uh, you know, one woman uh, uh, had the gastrointestinal problems, so she was uh, uh, doing a journey to find out a little bit about uh, uh, those things, and then she dialogued with a, a variety of things, and she she uh, it just hit her uh, the image of her competitive rower. She was a competitive rower, and uh, she enjoyed that. But then she started to ponder how competition in her life and her job was so important to her. And then she saw the link somehow, just became revealed to her between that and her gastrointestinal issues. So as she changed her relationship to competition uh, and uh, her rowing and whatnot, she ended up, uh, you know, not having the symptoms anymore. Uh, so... Uh, she wouldn't have had those insights had she not done the uh, the journey work and uh, you know that that type of uh, <clears throat> that that type of work. Uh, you know, uh, a woman had uh, chronic sore neck uh, issues, and uh, she started to dialogue with it and with her symptom and the journey work around uh, the issue, and uh, she got the the hit that uh, she. Uh, uh, felt she was being judged all the time. She had to kind of look over her back. But then she got the realization that she was very judgmental herself and that uh, uh, as she started to change these reactions, you know, her judgmentalism and her feeling judged, her stiff neck, sore neck uh, started to resolve itself. Uh, you know, people with diabetes have dialogued with their diabetes and gotten a new relationship with it, and it seems to have changed the way in which the diabetes uh, and they were uh, uh, relating. Uh, but I, I might say uh, the way in which uh, we dialogue uh, and, and what we find is unique to each of us. There was, a, in fact, a, a radio host I was talking with, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, and she had discovered this process of dialoguing on her own, and she had had cancer and was dialoguing with the cancer, and the cancer told her uh, she needs to love it. And she was really uh, resistant to that idea because she felt if I love, love it, it's going to uh, cause it to grow. And so she had, took, had to do a lot of work, but it was inner work around that 
engagement. And she ended up finding, uh, no, she could have a new relationship that had a love aspect with her cancer that, in her case, again, who knows what caused what, the cancer was in remission. Now, somebody else in that same conversation might need to see cancer as an adversary, and you have to have a warrior uh, spirit to it. I bring up those two examples just as examples that uh, there's no, like, one cookie-cutter thing I can say you should anticipate when you do this work because it's all unique uh, to you. But those would be some examples, Cindy, of things that I have done or people have done that have been helpful. Well, and, you know, listeners, if you're, if you're like, what is he talking about going to the upper worlds and the lower worlds? Um, the, the, and I'm just going to say, and then, you'll, you know, Carl, you, like, whatever. It's, it's it, part of the whole deal with any of the shamanism techniques and, and, like, the woman becoming aware of, you know, maybe I'm judgmental. My goodness, maybe, maybe that's why my neck is the way it is. Maybe, maybe I'm the one that needs to shift and then my body will shift is in shamanism there's so many different parts and like maybe you were four years old and something happened and you made a decision and you shut that part of yourself off or maybe you were 13 and you know something happened that was frightening and then you you just didn't go there so what happens with um like when we were talking about the soul retrievals is we're putting things back together in a whole new way um, re-knitting it, repurposing it, or, I don't know, Carl, but what, expl- take it to the next level no, and explanation. That's, but. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. No, a lot of these words, unless you kind of have experiences around them, do seem very foreign. <clears throat> but let's, uh, you know, I could uh, do a little mini upper world journey for people. Would that be something oh, uh, be appropriate? That would be awesome. That would be great. <clears throat> so, so, uh, uh, you know, the notion is that we are in the midst of, I call them transpersonal realms. Carl Jung talked about the collective unconscious, uh, uh, in which, Carl Jung said, there are archetypes, which these are energies that influence how we think and how we act and we feel. And sometimes we get in their grip unknowingly. And so we have these energetic forces around us that are influencing us in many ways. So when we go to these transpersonal realms, we can maybe have a different relationship with them. So an upper world journey that I have crafted uh, for the purposes of health uh, involves first, uh, uh, and I have a a process which I'm going to skip here, to get a person uh, up to the upper world. But once once they're there, they meet... uh, a guide, and the notion here is when you do this work, uh, it's sacred work. You have to do it with respect, and uh, sometimes there's a part of you that might suggest this is not a good time for you to do the work. And so uh, I have the guide, and in, in my book I suggest that the guide be your inner healer, this energy that wants you to be well, and ask it, is this a good day for you to do the work? And if it is, then you continue on the journey. So if a person can listen right now and kind of get themselves in a relaxed state, do a little uh, deep breathing so that they become more uh, available to their intuitive nature. And then they find themselves with their guide, and let's assume that the guide says it's a good day to journey, and they're walking up a a mountain, and uh, on the right, they uh, enter a door, and in that door, there's going to be a picture of what their health will be five years from now. So I'm going to do that, you know, and anybody who's listening could do that if they so choose. And so go in that door. If you make no changes in what you're doing, what's the picture of your health going to be? And you can think about it in the standpoint of your your looks, your vitality, your ailments, or whatever else comes to your mind when you think about what the picture is going to be. And when you do these practices in the book, I have a lot more you know, things you can be uh, doing to get ready and uh, to do the journeys. But this is an example. So you finish in that journey, and I mean in that in that chamber, and. Uh, continue uh, 
walking up to a, another doorway on your right, and you open that door, and you see what do you need to give up? What do you need to give up in order for the picture you just saw to be different? What do you need to give up? And again, I'm planting the seeds. If we were doing this uh, where we had more time, Cindy, I'd have us all stay there longer. But when you're in that chamber, you can not only look and see what you see, but also ask the inner healers, there's something I'm missing. What, what else do I need to consider giving up in order for the picture that I just saw to be different? So you leave this chamber, you go up the mountain a little bit more. On your right, you go into another doorway. And in this chamber, you'll see... What do I need to gain? What do I need to bring into my life in order for the picture of my health five years out to be different? What do you need to gain? And again, you might ask the inner healers, is there something I'm missing, something that I should see? Again, when you do the journey, if you're reading the book, uh, you take as much time as you want uh, in these chambers. But for our purposes now, uh, leave the chamber and uh, continue walking up the, the mountainside. And on your right is this one last chamber. And this is the chamber <clears throat> where you will see what your health will be like in five years if you give up what has been suggested, and if you gain what has been suggested. So you go into this chamber and see, what will your health be like if you do those, those things? And you leave that chamber and you walk back down the mountain uh, where you came up and you thank your inner healer for working with you and you move back into this time and space, this reality that we're talking in right now. And now you have, if you got any insights, some things to think about maybe some images, some ideas of things you might do differently. Uh, so this would be a, an, you know, an example, Cindy, of an upper world journey that uh, one can do uh, on behalf of their health story. Well, I did it, and I was I got beautiful pieces. <laughs> so, ah. um, and it's, it's and it's interesting. I um, last year I I had plantar fasciitis, misdiagnosed. It was actually a stress fracture. So to make a long story short, I just kept walking on it and because they, uh, they thought it was plantar fasciitis. And so by the time they realized that it was definitely something else, um, eight weeks had passed. And so the fracture had healed, but a piece of the fracture had chipped and was on now. On, so then I was in the, – the piece of the bone was on top of my foot. So for t 10 or 12 weeks, I was in a walking boot. So you get the picture. It was a long yes. journey of being slowed down, uh, whatever. And so – I was gardening this year, and last year I did the gardens that were easy to reach, but I didn't do the garden that was, you know, a lot of up and down with the knees. and the, You know, I just skipped that garden. I just let it kind of go wild again. So I was gardening this year, and um, I have knees that are not happy sometimes. And so the yes. stress of getting up and down, I, because I put a very low stool that I was sitting on so that I could reach the weeds and, you know, whatever, and then I would stand up and down. So the stress from going up and down on the knees. And then also I've gained, like, you know, maybe eight pounds, but it's, but it's, but it's, it's actually more than that. I used to be much thinner. And I was, I thought, you know what? Because when you're gardening and you're sitting and you're bending, you know, you're very aware of your solar plexus, your everything. You're aware of, of everything. Yes. And I thought, I yeah. thought, wow, I could feel this. So when I, when I, in the journey, I, the whole thing was, 
you need to stretch and move more. Like if you keep the way you are right now, you know, in mm-hmm. five years, hopefully, you know, I'll have some grandchildren here and, you know, my kids <laughs> by then maybe. And so I was like, I want to be able to hold my grandchildren and I want to be able to bend down, pick sure. them up. I want to be. And I thought, okay, so if I don't change this story, if I just do nothing and stay this way, it's going to be difficult for me to to be able to do that. And that's a guiding yes. force for me with wanting that mobility. So then the other thing was, okay, so stretching, yoga, strengthening. And it was like it just came to three basic things, strengthening um, and, and dropping 20 pounds. I thought 20 pounds will make your knees lighter. But I could feel, like I could actually feel how that was going to feel with what. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. And then and then I saw myself swinging a golf club. I used to play golf 3 and 4 days a week and uh, I know yeah. I gave the, I gave I gave that up when I was a single parent. I just didn't think that, you know, that I deserved to take that much time away. I don't know, it was complicated, you know. You, you have all your stories and sure. and so my client last night said, "You play golf, don't you?" And I said, "Well, I used to, but that was before a fractured knee and a fractured shoulder and breast cancer." <laughs> I said, "But yes. you know what?" Why are you asking? And she said, well, I'm playing in a scramble, and I love to play. And I'm, I I, said, I'll go to the driving range with you. I said, have you ever played a whole game of golf? She said, no. I said, I will play a game of golf with you. I said, if I have to uh, put out a hole or two. But, but you know what? So here's this today, and I felt and saw myself swinging a golf club. So thank well, you. Uh, well, this is the, well, you're very welcome. Uh, but this, this is an example of the power of uh, – I mean, I didn't script this for you. I mean, you saw the guarding image. You saw the uh, the idea of stretching. You saw the idea of yoga. You saw the idea of maybe being able to, you know, play golf. Uh, so all this was within you. And now you'll be left with what you do to effectuate that in your life. But at least you have a template that you didn't have before seven minutes ago. <laughs> Right. And also, I firmly believe that there's a cellular memory of what our bodies, they remember. They remember what it felt like when they were light and airy. That's still there. It's like... Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I I wasn't, you know, the age. I mean, I felt lighter. I felt younger almost in this five-year older body if I make these changes. Yeah, well, that's that's beautiful. And I I talk about... uh, You know, in writing your new new house story, you know, picture how you would feel, how you would look. Uh, you know, going through your day, now that you're different, what would it be like? This is more kind of in your left brain kind of practices, but these uh, expanded awareness practices are more in these other realms. You could say it engages your right brain, but your intuitive self, and uh, it's all information that you and I have at our availability to make changes if we choose to that we didn't have before we did the work right it's just it's fascinating isn't it i mean it's just fascinating and you know for for me coming from the traditional you know healing background with being a nurse and and you with your scientific background as a um was it you're a metallurgic engineer or i i think yeah i was yeah, a, i know you're yeah, undergraduate metallurgical engineer right, right. Right, and then you just kept adding this knowledge, and I thought, oh, I understand totally, <laughs> you know, and it's like, but then um, I love, okay, so you have all of that with the journeying, and uh, we went up to the upper world, but then you also, in this, in your book, stress the importance of working with healing and the elements of nature. Yes, yes. Well, w- w- one of the interesting things that I find, I mean, people find very, uh, extraordinary things when they do this journey work that are useful for them. But a lot of times people have a yearning that gets revealed to spend more time in nature than they do. And I know for myself just uh, uh, being in nature can be very healing, and there's a lot of scientific evidence that that is so. Uh, People who spend time around pine trees, for example, uh, they're exposed to what's called phytoncides, which are chemicals that uh, really tend to uh, uh, boost the immune system and lower uh, stress hormones and have more uh, uh, feel-good hormones like serotonin uh, or or neurotransmitters like serotonin coursing through them. Uh, If you're uh, just spending time in a forest walking or around uh, running water where there's uh, uh, negative ions, uh, 
activated. Uh, these are all very, very healing for us. And uh, we move again from uh, the fight or flight uh, uh, way that we often are in our everyday lives uh, to a more relaxed state that I was describing earlier where the brain waves are slower and the parasympathetic nervous system is kicked in. And uh, it's very healing and healthy to be in those places. So nature can do that for us. And I go further and say there's ways we can interact with nature and its aspects like uh, water and air and fire and uh, earth uh, to use those as allies in our healings. To ask them, uh, you know, what do I need to, what can you tell me about my health? What do I need to uh, get rid of? What do I need to gain? Uh, each of these elements and let our intuitions guide us as to which ones to work with or where in nature to be. And again, people who have done these practices have found uh, great, great healing. Well, I, you know, okay, so I have studied a lot with Chinese five element. Um, I don't know, I've always been drawn to um, working with Chinese herbs and acupuncture, et cetera, and then I'm a, a feng shui consultant. But I had never, ever, until I read your book, I don't know how I missed this, but when you talk about the core elements in nature and you um, talk about how they're found in Native American traditions as well as the European traditions, and then you talk about how um, in the European tradition that gave birth to the tarot and its four suits, namely pentacles, earth, cups, water, swords, air, and wands, fire. I had never made that correlation. I do not know why. And, um, and then you talked about um, the different, how the Greek philosophers look at it, and then in Hinduism, you know, with the five elements, whereas Buddhism has the four, Chinese has the five. And I just was fascinated by this because, you know, in, I, I've studied also with a lot of different monks over the years, and I, and I was sharing with a client that I had right before this call, who, by the way, uh, read your first book because he had heard the interview that I did with you before and read the article in Spirit Seeker, and he's like, you're interviewing Carl Greer this week, right? And I said, yep. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. Uh, he said, I don't know if I can listen live. I'm like, you know it's archived. And he goes, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and so, um, but at any rate, it's, it's, you know, I was telling him that I had studied with these bone monks at one point, and they they stressed the importance of, yes, the Chinese five elements, and they, you know, worked with the seven chakras in the, in the body, but they talked about the trunk, like basically from your, from your neck until uh, to your lower um, spine, and then, you know, not the appendages, so not the arms, the legs, and the head was different, but they talked about the importance of creating space in the trunk of the body, and that the more space you have, then the other elements are balanced, and then your thinking is clearer because your body, like like he's like they talked about if your like if your whole intestines are stuffed or everything's stuffed and it's all just like not functioning, like it can't function unless it's open and airy. Like um, so, I just I found it fascinating how you brought in you know the different earth elements and and water, air, and fire, and how important working with those elements are, and then also bringing that awareness into the body. Well, it's interesting. You know, the bone Buddhism is kind of a precursor to shamanism. They were shamans. And, uh, uh, again, you know, shamans believe in the aliveness, as do I, of all things, and that nature is alive. It has an awareness and has a, a wisdom. And so that belief leads us to think that, if we're observing nature, nature in turn is observing us. And what does that realization mean? Well, at first it gives us a different, uh, perhaps, desire to be more respectful of nature. And uh, just as you're drawn to gardening, I mean, just think of all the, the benefits that come from uh, just being around the uh, around the earth. I mean, that's uh, uh, powerful. I mean, you know, people argue... Uh, uh, the dirt and germs, uh, a guy named David Perlmutter talks about uh, how the dirt and germs uh, uh, help our gut bacteria and uh, that uh, gives us immunity and helps our emotional well-being, our cognitions. So intuitively people are drawn to activities outdoors that can be very healing for them. 
Absolutely. And, you know, in, in feng shui, we talk about the yin, yin months and the yang months. And the yin are the dark winter months, you know, where we go more within, you know, like a, a bear knows to go into um, the cave and hibernate and come back out again in spring. And how the yang months are filled with sunshine and we have all the activities that are outside activities and how during our our cold yin months, we bring in those memories of all the yang, you know, activities like the reunions, the picnics, the outdoor concerts, and all of that energy of, you know, people who have been indoors all winter, and, and then all of a sudden they're outside, and they're, like, hearing the birds, and they're, you know, it's very healing. It's very healing. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. And uh, it, it has aspects of... Uh, I mean, I talk a lot in my book about the need to sometimes get rid of what you need to get rid of, bring in what you need to uh, bring in, and then have a new balance, which is exactly what Chinese medicine does. It's the acupuncture. I mean, you're, you know, the needles will give you, in some places you need more of something, some places you need less of something, and then hopefully you're in a new homeostasis that uh, is as good or better than the one before you got ill. And healing involves... Uh, in, in my way of thinking in, in my book, not just getting back to the state you were before you got sick, but maybe even to a uh, a better state of wellness. And uh, wellness and wholeness and healing come from uh, uh, the same uh, etymological uh, word roots. And uh, so as we get more whole uh, and we get healthy in one aspect of our life, it often reverberates into others. For example, your physical health influences your emotional health, your spiritual health, your relationships, your work, and they in turn can influence the physical health. So there's a circle of wholeness and integration and putting back together in new ways things that uh, you needed to take out, look at, shape a little bit, and then put them back together so that the the soup is... uh, a little bit more healthy and uh, vitalizing for you than before you did the work with it. Right. Well, I I just love how you um, expanding awareness practice, releasing, replenishing, and balancing with water. And then you have um, expanded awareness practice, transforming with fire. And, you know, you just bring in so many different ways of working with the elements and then also how to cleanse your chakras. And, um, you know, as as a feng shui practitioner, you know, many times I'm called in when someone's ill or something just you know, isn't shifting in a person's life. And so then in comes the feng shui practitioner. And um, I remember this one case study where, uh, this was not my my case, but one that I studied, where a person was ill, had lung problems, and um, the feng shui practitioner came and couldn't see where the imbalance was until he got to the bedroom. And in the bedroom, there was this huge metal sculpture and metal too much metal will affect your lungs. And so he said to this client, he said, this is part of your problem. You're sleeping in here, you know, six, eight, nine hours, and this is too much metal affecting your energy field. And and the lady said, if you knew how much I paid for that, and I'm not not getting rid of that. I love seeing it first thing in the morning when I wake up, first thing when I go to bed, you know, last thing when I go to bed at night. Sure, sure, sure. You don't argue. You don't argue. You don't argue. You planted the seed. It's up to them to come to the awareness. And so he said, okay, and finished the consultation. Two months later, he received a letter from this lady, and she said, you know, my lungs just continued to not get better. And I thought, okay, what do I have to lose? So I moved the sculpture out of my bedroom, and you know what's going to happen here, right? It's like the body. Yeah, right. Yes, could heal and rejuvenate, you know, which so much happens while we're sleeping and, you know, in the dream state and, you know, the cellular, you know, sloughing off. But but what happened is she had way too much of an imbalance of metal. And that's the whole Chinese five element, like, you know, wood feeds fire, but water puts fire out. So you have to know if it's nourishing or debilitating. And, you know, and oftentimes when we, you know, we all know, like when we get sick and then all of a sudden we feel better and we, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're so much better after we've done a cleanse or a detox. And then, you know, oh, the lemon tastes so good. And, you know, and then you get right back to it sometimes where you forget and you're back to your old ways. But it's like that's the whole thing about that I love about your book. It's like you could pick this book up at any point 
in your healing journey or or remember, like when you're thinking, okay, I was feeling better, what was I doing? And you pick up this book and you go back to that chapter. I know, where's that chapter where you did that, you know, that, that journaling exercise with my higher self or whatever. Uh. And it's like this book has so many different ways to to get in touch with yourself and all around you, but it's your journey. And, and I... I love how you said it's going to be different for everyone because, of course, it is. We're all unique, and 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 yes. so there's no cookie cutter approach to this. And, and but there's uh, basic. What you said earlier, <laughs> yeah, right. And what you said earlier too about the body has a memory. Once you do these experiences, uh, your body has a new cellular memory of what the experience was. And even though you may go back to a, an old habit that maybe doesn't serve you as well as a new one, at least you have in your repertoire of memory uh, the the new habit that's better, that it's a little easier maybe the next time around to kind of get back into it, to have that uh, uh, experience resurrected. The idea of uh, shamanic work is that we... Uh, you know, we have an energy body that influences our spiritual body, which influences our psychological body, which influences our physical body. And that uh, you have to do healing work at all these levels. And if you do a clearing at the energetic level that allows you to do things differently at the other levels, uh, unless you actually make changes uh, in the way in which you live, you're still going to reintroduce the energy imbalance, as you said, then you get back to the old bad habits. So uh, it, it requires one to make changes in their everyday life as a result of these spiritual practices, uh, and that takes a certain amount of discipline and a certain amount of patience with oneself because uh, I've seen occasionally you know, big, huge quantum jumps in a person's attitudes and the way they live, but usually it's just changes at the margins, just changing this a little bit, eating a little bit, differently, exercising, you know, a few more minutes, uh, having a little bit of more space in between things so that you are a little less stressed, so you have disconnects that allow you to make choices you didn't make before. Small little things, which I talk about, that over time can lead to bigger changes, but don't put pressure on yourself to, you know, it's like the guy after, or gal after the first of the year, I'm going to get back in shape and go to the gym. <laughs> and uh, you know how those stories take out. I mean, it's hard to, you work out hard for a couple times and then you're stiff and sore or maybe pulled something, and then you don't do it again for six months. Right. Oh, I know. And they just love that January when everybody's like, okay. And, you know, I mean, and the memberships are always up in January. It's like, okay. And then like February and March, it's like, okay. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, this stuff is Girl, not simple, you... but but it's yeah. possible. Right, right, exactly. So I'm I'm on your website, and I just want to mention um, to the listeners, it's carlgreer.com, that's C-A-R-L-G-R-E-E-R.com. And um, I, I love this talk about giving back. It says, shamans recognize the interconnectedness of all people, all creatures, and the earth itself. As you get deeper into shamanic practice and personal transformation, you may find yourself more compelled to look outward at the challenges facing society and more determined to serve others in tangible ways. And then um, you you have a, a link that uh, goes to giving back and, um, and about your Greer Foundation and a lot of the work that you're doing, which you, you are really doing a lot of good work. So um, thank, thank you, you for, for giving back in so many different ways. And I don't know if you want to talk about that, or but I do want to mention um, before you answer that that there are um, – uh, Carl has a blog on his Facebook page, and there's many different uh, postings on that. He, there's the Facebook postings, and then also there's a blog. Um, there's, there are different articles on energy, healing, and nature, uh, when your spending habits aren't working for you, um, another article, Time to Imagine, and then uh, with his Facebook, um, I guess you talk about different things. Like here's a, here's a saying, anger teaches us to wake up and review our choices. And um, and I think that, you know, a lot of, uh, well, I'm, I'm, try, I'm, I'm stepping out of it, but the, and we're not going to go into politics, but, you know, a lot of us with the uh, unrest, shall we say, in the last year with the changes, there's just been a lot of anger and a lot of, um, a lot of that. And you, you have to find your peace in the middle of it all. And um, 
you know, it's these are interesting times we're in. Let's just phrase it that way. But um, but with your Facebook and your blog, is there anything you want to mention? And I know you have a book signing coming up, so anything you want to talk about right now, um, please do so. Well, um, I, I do think, uh, at least for myself, and, uh, and some people would share this belief that uh, as we start to uh, give back to others, we relativize our own position in things, and even our own health takes a different uh, uh, perspective. As we see, we're part of these larger energies. You mentioned uh, the winter and the summer, the hibernation and the activity. Uh, it causes me to think these kinds of conversations about where was I before I was here in this lifetime, who am I, what am I, uh, you know, why am I here, uh, where am I going to go after I'm no longer here, and, and the beauty of life, but it's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's time limited, and so it relativizes uh, my health issues when I think about it like this. Uh, I have prostate cancer. It's a uh, um, in a watch and wait basis right now, but it, it's there, and I've had other health things. I'm getting to the later stages of my life, so I think about these things, and I think about uh, how fortunate I've been and what can I do in the time I have left to, to give back, and that process has helped me relativize my health issues, and uh, I think for those who uh, have the time and energy to do that, to be of service to others, uh, not only is beneficial to the others, but it also can be very healing in and of itself because it connects us to these larger life questions that in some ways we've been talking about today, Cindy. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, I was taught this technique in an ascension workshop I took many years ago, and there's four statements. I am here. I am open. I am ready. Guide me. How what you yes, know, what yes. is the best use of my time today? Who you, please send whoever you would like me to help today? I'm here. I'm open. I'm ready. Guide me. Use use me as a Beautiful. as a vessel to you know to. I mean, and that's Kuan Yin's teachings too. You know, she pours out her compassion and. You know, uh, and that's what I felt when I looked at, you know, scholarship programs to many different, um, you're just, you're very generous, Carl. And I, and I knew, I knew this from before, but it just feels like it's gone to a whole new level since um, I first, you know, uh, connected with you. And, you know, this is the beautiful thing. You know, the Course in Miracles says the cost of um, giving is receiving. And we don't give to get, mm. but we all know that there's this circle and the dynamic laws of, of the flow. Like, you don't, you don't get it, hold on to it, and not get it. It has to be in circulation. And so it's an energetic thing. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you're giving too much. I don't think you can ever give. I mean, perhaps you can give too much if it's in a, an abusive situation. But as a general rule, that's my deal. I want to give as much as I can, help as many people as I can. And, you know, that's, it's always worked for me. You know, and I think I think it's a beautiful way to live. So I um, I love that you have that on your website, and I, I I love that you're so generous with helping others. And a lot of it are women and children. And right now, you know, that they're on the forefront with a lot of the cuts with things that are coming. So you know, and our, they're our future. You know, we have one of the highest infant mortality rates of of a developed nation in the world. And it's you know, in Japan, yep. when a woman is pregnant. If they need bus tokens to get to their prenatal care, they do it. If they need meal tickets, they do it. They take care of their future, their, their, these children that are coming in. It's not just, you know, I mean, there's more of an honoring, and I think that's what this whole world right now is going through is a recalibration on how we want this to look. And it's interesting times we're in, right? <laughs> it is. And, and, it. and as you were mentioning about the, maybe the political uh, uh, shifts, uh, and what can one do? Well, I think one thing you can do is if there are going to be cuts to those who in the past have had uh, more services available, we can all, in the best way we can, help those who are less fortunate. Uh, and I think this idea of having a conversation, dialogue, there are many tens of millions of people who think differently than some of the others. And rather than demonize, have conversations, uh, you know, so that, that, that both sides can understand uh, you know, kind of where the other side is coming from, not necessarily with trying to convince them or make them feel bad, but just so we can understand. And sometimes just in the conversation, transformation can happen. And lastly, you know, if you believe in this world of uh, energies and spirit that we're surrounded by, do whatever comes to you 
as an individual individual's mind, ceremony and ritual to honor that, and with your intent, believing that energy follows intent, what can we do to promote the collective good, to promote good harmony, to, to promote peace, to promote cooperation, and have a fire ceremony to do that, or work with water to do that, or do a sand painting, which I talk about in my book, to do that. And I think these are all things we can do to work uh, at, at the everyday level with people less fortunate, and then at the spiritual level to try to change the way things are just because of our interaction with the spirit realms. That's how I think about it, Cindy. Well, it's beautiful, and our and our all of a sudden this is going to be gone. We're going to be so. I listeners, you have been hearing the beautiful, beautiful wisdom of Carl Greer, the author of Change the Story of Your Health Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing. There's an article in the May issue of Spirit Seeker. You can read that at spiritseeker.com. Uh, Carl has book signings coming up, different things. Go to his website, carlgreer.com. And Carl, thank you so much for um, for your generosity and you know doing this radio show i know you're busy and you know you have 14 grandchildren <laughs> i know you have a lot going on yeah, right. so i just want to I, I just want to thank you so much from my heart to your heart thank you well thank you Cindy. Okay. I, I really enjoyed okay. our conversation thanks for having me on your okay on your show. okay everyone have a beautiful week all right thank you so much namaste make the world a better place start with yourself and so it is thank you so much okay bye Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.